In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our text is the Gospel reading, which you've already heard. You may be seated. In Exodus chapter 32, we find the story of the people of Israel compelling Moses' brother Aaron to make a new god for to lead the people Israel, for the people to worship. And this story, uh, the golden calf, is the, the object of worship. What's particularly astonishing about this is that at the same time that this whole event with the golden calf is taking place, Moses is up on Mount Sinai receiving from God all of the instructions in the law, how to build the temple, uh, the commandments, all of those things. What's more is that God had performed great signs and wonders to prove his intention to deliver the Israelites into the promised land after they left Mount Sinai. And this is including, but not limited to, the great plagues in Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, God providing water from the, wa- from the rock and manna from heaven. They had even God demonstrate his might by appearing in the pillar of fire that had descended upon Mount Sinai that was burning before their very eyes. They were literally in the presence of holy God. And quite naturally... Well, God's anger was aroused at this. And so he told Moses, Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. In other words, God was going to wipe the entire nation of Israel out, except for Moses, and he was going to start a new nation from Moses, just as he had with Abraham some 430 years prior to that. But the thing is, God had actually made a promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He had told Moses, or uh, or rather, uh, Moses had boldly approached God and told him, he said, Remember, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they will inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he was going to bring upon his people. In our gospel text for today, we met a woman who is decidedly not a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. She was a Canaanite, one of those ancient enemies of the people of God, those that God had actually told Joshua to remove from the land by warfare. However, notice what she calls Jesus here. She calls after him, O Lord, Son of David. The English word for Lord might just stand in for God's proper name, his covenant name 
Yahweh, the name that God revealed to Moses at the burning bush. But even if it isn't, and we can't really tell because it's Greek here and not Hebrew, even if, it, if she isn't calling God by his proper name, by calling Jesus the son of David, she's confessing something about Jesus that we should pay attention to. And that is that she believes that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the Savior not only of the people of Israel, but of all of the people of the world. She came approaching Jesus, asking for help, not for herself, mind you, but help for her daughter. Even more striking is the condition in which her daughter finds herself. She is demon-possessed. She is the plaything of the demonic. It isn't as if she was simply sick or hurt. She was firmly under the power of the devil. It seems almost like it would be automatic that Jesus would want to heal this girl from demon possession, no matter what her ancestry. She was in clear and present spiritual danger that would result in eternal death and hell forever if left in this state. Now, while we can't be sure of what specifically left her under the power and control of demons, we can make some practical observations here. First, we should note that the Canaanites were worshipers of false gods, which St. Paul tells us really are demons. This would automatically put her under demonic influence. But a second observation is perhaps a little bit more pressing for us today. Any indulgence of sin leaves us open to demonic power. If we glean anything about the devil from the Bible, it should be that he's stronger than we are. We can't presume to be strong enough to watch lewd videos or television shows or movies and think that it won't do anything to scar our souls. We can't presume that dabbling in the dark arts even if it's as simple as reading a horoscope or popping quickly in to see the Seymour psychic doesn't invite demons in. We can't presume that letting ourselves come under the influence of drugs or alcohol that doesn't make us vulnerable to death and hell. Whatever the consequences, or whatever the circumstances were that this daughter found herself under the power of the devil... These things are real and present in her life as well as in ours. But despite those things, despite the spiritual danger that her daughter was in, this woman clung to the promise about what God said about himself and what he had promised to all people. Namely, that God is a merciful Father who would send a Savior from death from hell, and from all the forces of darkness. And still, the one who promised to be her greatest friend, Jesus Christ, called her a dog, unworthy to eat of the children's bread. How many of us at that point would simply turn around and give up? How many of us would have raged at God 
over the seeming injustice of all of it. Have you ever been in this position? Have you ever been where God seems to have turned his face away from you and is not listening to your prayers? Thanks be to God, this is not what this dear sister in Christ did. Instead, she took up Moses as her example. He rubbed God's noses in the promise, God's nose that he had made, the promise that he'd made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. She, like Jacob, wrestled with God and prevailed, refusing to let him go until he blessed her. She would no longer be called a foreigner and an enemy of God, but like Jacob become Israel, she is now under a new name. She would be called a child of God. People loved by God, has your Lord not made such great promises to you? Has he not said to you that all who believe and are baptized will be saved? And what is salvation other than rescue out of every trouble that we may face in this life? Sin, death, and the power of the devil. Has he not said to you, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me? Jesus himself says in Matthew 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. God has given his name to you, that you might call upon him in every trouble, pray, praise, and thanksgiving. Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That is, in faith, God will give you whatever you need that will best lead you to heaven. Or, as St. Paul will later say, for all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. That, it is, why, that is why through him we utter our amen to the glory of God the Father. Has he not also said to you, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good who are called according to his own purpose. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This means that God promises to work everything that we have faced in this life, especially the greatest evils that we will face in this life. He promised to use all of that for your good. He promises to use the bad economy, the endless foreign wars, the sickness of your child, the cancer that is found in the brain. He promises to use all of these things, and he promises to work all of these things together to bring about your ultimate good. And what is more is that he has given you his body and his blood as a pledge of this. And this pledge that your God has made to you is not insignificant. This is the body and blood that we hold up to the Father every time we confess our sins here. When we say, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. For the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. 
people loved by God, the boldness of this Canaanite woman is the boldness that the Lord would like to see in you. This is the boldness of Moses. He wants you to hold the promises that he has made to you up to him and say, as a dear child would say to his father, Look, Lord, you have promised this. And in this, he cannot deny himself and turn away. One last example of this will do well here. At the cross, the father did turn his face away from his only son. The sky was darkened, and the son cried out from Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the injustice of suffering and death of the only innocent man ever to have lived, Jesus cried out to the Father who hid his face from his only begotten Son. But Jesus, knowing the promise that he had from the Father to raise him up from the grave, also prayed in that hour of darkness, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. Jesus knew that the Father must keep his promise and not leave him in the grave, even as he breathed his last. And because of these great promises and these examples that we have in the scriptures in front of us, we know that God can also not turn his face away from you. So, dear saints, hold up the promises that God has made to you. Catch him in his word and do not let him go until he gives you a blessing. You may confidently believe that he will do it. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.